Hello. Welcome to the Myths and History of Greece and Rome. Chapter 130. Manzikert. At the beginning of 1068, the imperial army was very weak. Most of the peasant soldiers had been replaced with foreign mercenaries, and most of the good commanders had also been replaced. Years and years of bad management had led to the empire being too weak to resist the Turks. It was bad, but it didn't have to get any worse. Romanus Diogenes was in his mid-thirties, a member of a Cappadocian military family, and had been under sentence of death for his part in a rebellion against Constantine X when he was summoned to appear before the Empress Eudocia. Romanus swore to be her servant in all things and uphold the rights of her son Michael Ducas, who was the heir. To the horror of the rest of the Ducas family, Eudocia and Romanus were married and he became Romanus IV. The new emperor immediately set about trying to strengthen the army and the empire. But Romanus found the world was against him. He was an honest and hard-working man and did his best, but he couldn't fight everyone else in the empire at once. The Ducas family hated him, Michael Psellus couldn't stand him. The soldiers were not being fed properly and could barely be bothered to do anything to help him. Amazingly, amid all these problems, Romanus led two military campaigns in the east. He had some surprising successes against the Turks in Armenia and fought hard against rebels in Syria. The emperor was very courageous and he led his men well. In 1070, he even managed to agree a truce in the east which left the empire in a reasonable position. He couldn't stay away from Constantinople for too long though, as the Ducas family and Michael Pacellus were continually plotting against him. While in the capital, he managed to rebuild the army. Romanus realised he could not defeat the Turks with the army at its current strength, so throughout 1069, 1070 and early 1071, he built up a fighting force of 60,000 to 70,000 men, who were better trained and in better shape than imperial troops had been for more than a decade. In the spring of 1071, he led this force across the Bosphorus and headed out to take on the Turks. In February 1071, Romanus had sent an embassy to the Seljuk Tur Sultan, Arp Arslan, to renew the Treaty of 1069. Romanus's envoys reached the Sultan outside Edessa, which he was besieging. Alp Arslan was keen to be safe against imperial attack and happily agreed to the deal and abandoned the siege. He immediately led his army south to attack Aleppo in Fatimid, Syria. The offer to renew the peace treaty was a big part of Romanus's plan, distracting the Sultan long enough to allow Romanus to lead an army into Armenia and recover the lost fortresses before the Seljuks had time to respond. Then, with his eastern border secure and his rear protected, Romanus would be in a perfect position to attack the Seljuk army. Romanus would have an advantage, while Alp Arslan would be out of position and easy to attack. Romanus was very pleased. He was sure his clever plan to agree a truce had been successful, and he mustered his army outside Constantinople in March. Romanus's army included many foreigners. Normans, Cumans, Turks, Bulgarians, Germans, Pechenegs, Armenians, Syrians, Varangians, Uz, and Russians. There was nothing unusual in this. The imperial army was well thought of in Europe and Asia, and professional soldiers from all around the medieval world wanted to join up. As the army marched east, it continued to gather recruits, including bands of Turks, who were happy enough to sell their services to the empire. See, it was bad, it was getting a bit better, and it certainly didn't have to get any worse. It got worse. Unfortunately, it was not the soldiers the emperor had trouble with. The loyalty of many of Romanus's officers was not certain, 
especially as members of the Ducas family and their allies were some of the most important commanders. There were sneaky attacks on the Emperor during the march, including destruction of his personal baggage train, which led Romanus to camp separately from the main army. By the time the force reached Armenia, tensions were running high between the Emperor, his commanders and the soldiers. An eyewitness said that Romanus slowly drew away from his men. His tent was much more grand than those of his force and he marched separately from them. When the Imperial army reached Theodosiopolis in July, Romanus received the news that Alp Arslan was besieging Aleppo. So, now Romanus knew Alp Arslan was besieging Aleppo. But Alp Arslan knew that Romanus knew he was besieging Aleppo and now knew that Romanus, because he knew this, was marching towards Armenia. Romanus knew that Alp Arslan knew that Romanus knew he was besieging Aleppo. Pretty soon, Alp Arslan knew that Romanus knew that Alp Arslan knew that Romanus knew he was besieging Aleppo. So now Alp Arslan knew that Romanus knew, he stopped besieging Aleppo and began to march towards Romanus's army. The Emperor felt he was in a strong position, and he rejected the advice of some of his generals to wait for the Seljuks at Theodosiopolis. Romanus ordered the army to advance on a little town called Manzikert, which was now in Seljuk-held territory. Romanus expected the Seljuks would arrive from the south, so he split his army, sending some troops under the general Joseph Tarkaniotes to secure the southern road and protect against a Seljuk attack. The emperor himself headed east to besiege Manzikert. He soon reached the town. At the sight of the imperial army, the Turkish defenders immediately gave up, and Romanus settled down to await news from Tarkaniotes. Alp Arslan was not doing too well. Many of the Sultan's troops had deserted, and as he advanced towards Armenia, his army began to disappear. By the time he reached the Euphrates River, he was left with only about 10,000 men. By forced marches, Arslan reached Armenia in late August. He had managed to recruit some additional troops on the way, but his army was probably only half the size of Romanus's. The Seljuks did have one advantage over the Imperial Army though. They had good intelligence. Roving Seljuk horsemen fed the Sultan a constant stream of reports of the Imperial Army's progress. Unlike Romanus, Alp Arslan knew exactly where his enemy was and he planned his moves well. So, Alp Arslan knew what Romanus didn't know he knew and he used what he knew while knowing that Romanus didn't know that he knew and also didn't know that Alp Arslan knew he didn't know what Alp Arslan knew. What all that actually meant was that the Imperial Army was larger, but the Seljuk Army was cleverer and knew more. The odds were pretty even. It was a bad situation, but the Empire could win and come out on top. So it was bad, but it didn't have to get any worse. It got worse. The Seljuk Army marched from the south just as Romanus had expected. This Seljuk Army was about the same size as the Imperial force led by Tarkaniotes, and the war could have been over right there and then, just as Romanus had hoped. But the battle never happened. Tarkaniotes moved his forces west and let the Seljuk army past. Then he led his men back to Constantinople. Nobody's sure why he did this, although it's highly likely he was in league with the Ducas family and he wanted to see Romanus Diogenes fail. Nobody let Romanus know what had happened. He had expected Tarkaniotes and his men to severely weaken and maybe defeat the Seljuks. He had not expected them to get out of the way and let the Turks through. He was therefore very surprised when the whole Seljuk army turned up at Manzikert. The first time the Emperor knew about the Turks' arrival was when he sent out some men on an expedition to see what was going on outside the town. 
The small force was attacked by the Seljuk archers and cavalry, and a lot of them were killed. The emperor didn't realise that it was the Turks. He thought it may have been some local raiders, so he sent Nicephorus Bryennius out with a bigger detachment of troops. An hour or two later, Romanus received a plea for help. An even larger force was sent out to rescue these troops, and soon everyone realised the whole Turkish army was approaching. Bryennius was badly wounded, but escaped with his life. Romanus must have wondered what had happened to Tarkaniotes and his men, but it was too late to do anything about that. That night, nobody got much sleep. Many arrows were fired by the Turks into the imperial camp, and during the night, some of Romanus's Uj mercenaries deserted and ran to join the enemy. In the morning, though, Alp Arslam sent a note asking for a truce. He couldn't be sure he would win, and he felt he might do better by asking for peace now. So, it was bad, but it really didn't have to get any worse. It got worse. The Emperor knew this was probably his only chance of beating the Turks in battle. They'd been stronger in the past, and they would be stronger in the future. Now was the time they could be beaten. He probably took the right decision. He took the decision to continue the fight and refuse the offer of peace. It was now certain that a decisive battle would take place, and it's certain that the decisive battle did take place. What is surprising is that nobody is quite sure exactly when the battle took place. It was sometime in 1071, and it was sometime in August, but it's not clear exactly when. Some think it was the beginning of the month, some think it was the end. Doesn't really matter. The Battle of Manzikert took place in August 1071. When the sun rose in the morning of the battle, the Seljuk army formed in a long crescent in front of the Imperial forces. Alp Arslan commanded from a nearby hilltop where he could survey the field of battle. He was a good commander and he was pleased with what he saw. Romanus started the battle by slowly advancing on the Turkish army. The Seljuks poured arrows into the Imperial forces and took a step back as Romanus's soldiers advanced. This happened throughout the day and there was not much actual fighting at all. A few Imperial troops fought against a few Turkish soldiers but the larger armies didn't fight. As the sun went down, Romanus called a halt to the advance and began an orderly withdrawal back to the camp. At the time the Imperial soldiers began to reverse direction, the Seljuks launched a fierce attack against the wings, the edges of the Imperial army. The Imperial right wing, which had done most of the actual fighting during the advance, ran around in confusion. At this point, a force which had been kept back, under Andronicus Ducus, should have come to the aid of the Emperor, but instead it turned and withdrew from the field, saying that the Emperor had been killed. Many other troops fled. The left wing, under Nicephorus Bryennius, fought its way clear, but the centre, including Romanus, was overwhelmed and badly beaten. Romanus IV fought bravely to the end, but when his army was defeated, he was captured. Most of the army survived and fled. Maybe they could be turned into a great force again soon. But yeah, the Emperor was captured. He was made to kiss the ground while Alp Arslan placed his foot on the Emperor's neck. Oh dear, this has happened before. Poor Valerian had spent five years imprisoned by the Sassanids and was used by Sharpor as a stool to help him mount his horse. Poor Nicephorus I had been killed in battle and Crum had had his head made into a drinking cup. Romanus, though, was treated a lot better. Alp Arslan knew his victory at Manzikert was not a big victory. He'd been successful and he'd been clever, but he knew he wasn't actually that much stronger than the enemy. So it really was very bad, but it didn't have to get any worse. It got worse. 
the Emperor was in enemy hands. He'd fought bravely, and his men had fought bravely. Nobody could have fought better. Alp Arslan treated Romanus with the respect due to his position, and he didn't want to make life difficult for the Empire. He didn't want Europe, and he knew that his victory at Manzikert had been a bit lucky. If Andronicus Ducas's reserve force had not deserted the battle, it would have very likely have had a different result. A sensible peace treaty was the best option for everyone. Romanus and Alp Arslan negotiated this treaty, in which both sides agreed to return things nearly to the way they'd been before. Armenia would be restored to the Empire, and after the exchange of a few forts, Alp Arslan would stop the Seljuks invading Imperial territory. Alp Arslan asked for Antioch, Edessa, Manzikert and a few other border cities, and Romanus agreed. The Emperor remained at Alp Arslan's camp for a week, and was entertained as an honoured guest. The Sultan released all of his prisoners and provided Romanus with a lot of presents, supplies and an armed escort. News of his defeat would have reached Constantinople, so Romanus had to calm the situation. He quickly sent a report of the battle and the peace treaty to the Senate and rushed back to the capital with what was left of his army. Romanus knew he'd got a good deal from the Turks and he became determined to make sure it happened. Of course though, it never happened. In Constantinople, the Ducas family took charge. They pronounced Michael Ducas emperor and declared that Romanus was an enemy of the state. Before he even arrived in the capital, he was taken prisoner. He was blinded on the orders of Andronicus Ducas and sent to a monastery. Romanus Diogenes died in the summer of 1072, aged 42, having reigned for a little over three years. Despite the situation in Anatolia, there was no Seljuk invasion. Alp Arslan had respected his treaty with Romanus, and at any rate died the year after his victory at Manzikert. His son and successor, Malik Shah, was too busy solidifying his rule in the area we now call Iran to think about invading the empire. So it was still bad, but it didn't have to get any worse. It got worse. The new emperor, Michael VII Ducas, inspired neither confidence nor loyalty. He was weak and arrogant, a bad combination under any circumstances. He refused to abide by the agreement made between Romanus and the Turks, and the Turks began to get tired of him. By 1073, many thousands of Turkish tribesmen began swarming into Anatolia. Nobody bothered to do anything about it. Michael Ducas, his Caesar John Ducas and Michael Pacellus were too busy with their own stuff to do the right thing, and they made every mistake that they could. Soon after Manzikert, the Normans finally took the last bit of Italy. Not long after, there was a rebellion in Bulgaria, and the Croatians, Hungarians and Pechenegs became more troublesome. Nicephorus Bryennius managed to restore order, but it wasn't an easy thing to do. Then there was yet another rebellion, led by Rusel of Bayul, a commander of the Norman soldiers in the Imperial Army. Michael Ducas panicked and decided he needed help from the Turks, so he agreed to give them the land they had captured. Malik Shah named his new kingdom the Sultanate of Rum. In the end, Roussel was defeated by troops commanded by the best general in the empire, a man named Alexius Comnenus, and imprisoned. Pretty soon, though, he was released to help Alexius fight against two more rebels. Nicephorus Bryennius had had enough, and he was rebelling in the west. Another general, Nicephorus Botaniates, was rebelling in the east. Bryennius was the better general, but Botaniates was from a better family, and had the support of the Seljuk Turks. In 1078 there were riots in Constantinople, and Botaniates marched in. Michael VII abdicated and ran away to a monastery. He'd reigned for a few months over six years. 
He later became an archbishop and eventually died in 1090, aged about 40. Nicephorus Britanniates became Nicephorus III. He had been a reasonable general, but he was already in his 70s and he was a hopeless emperor. Nothing got any better. Only just over 50 years had passed since the death of the great Basil II. Basil the Bulgar slayer would have been horrified to see what had happened to his empire. Most of Asia Minor had been lost to the Turks and the army was next to useless. All of the enemies of the empire now realised it was weak. It was bad. It was very bad. And there was nothing to stop it getting worse. Next time, we'll watch as the Normans take over Europe. Until then, have a great couple of weeks and I'll speak to you next time.